All right, hello everybody. Uh, I have with me Pastor John Erickson and Pastor Lewis Guest. Uh, you you all know each of them. Uh, Lewis just recently preached for us, and uh, John has done our men's retreats two times and has preached, I think, two times too. Uh, so he's uh, these folks are familiar to us. They're also not only are they. Uh, uh, a friendly church are we a partner together we're also partnered together in the treasuring christ together network uh and these brothers have had a lot going on we all have but these brothers have been in the thick of it and so uh, i invited them to have a conversation for our purposes of just to for restoration church to be able to kind of think through these things for people that are in the middle of it loving jesus treasuring christ and trying to be salt and light and try to understand these times at the same time and maybe give us some points of prayer and counsel along the way and kind of tell their story to let us know what it's going like in the backyard of where all this stuff, a lot of, well, the most recent stuff began. So uh, towards that end, brothers, uh, Lewis, uh, just tell us a little bit about Jubilee Community Church and the community that it sits in. Yeah, so uh, this year we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Jubilee Community Church. So we, we praise God for 10 years of pouring out nothing but grace upon a, a small community that was planted um, a planet in the neighborhood to be just to be light and, and to be salt in the midst of, of this community. Uh, Jubilee is, is based off of the biblical theme of Jubilee, and that points to Christ as the one who sets us free uh, from all that we need to be set free from. So we, we, we glorify God for 10 years here, and uh, we sit in South Minneapolis, uh, which is going to be uh, in South Minneapolis, just a, a melting pot of all different type of ethnicities, all different type of roles and, and, and individuals interested in all different type of stuff. So uh, we're, we are a, a small group of, of people just looking to be faithful to the gospel in the midst of the people that that uh, the Lord has planted us, planted us among. That's good. And, and John, you uh, born and raised right in Minneapolis, and you were telling me before we started this call, uh, you have walked these streets and could tell all kinds of stories, but in particular, um, you uh, live within blocks of where George Floyd was killed, uh, and you, your son, worked at the Target that was looted. Uh, so you guys, both of you, are living literally right in the midst of this in Jubilee Community Church is in the middle of us. And so, John, just take a moment and kind of review for us uh, kind of the events that have happened and what sort of has transpired and uh, after that. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Restoration Church, uh, love you guys. Good to be with you. A week ago, Monday, George Floyd was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer on a video that quickly went around the world. Perhaps the most egregious uh, case of police brutality, police violence that uh, any of us have seen. By Tuesday, uh, my son Joey texted me and said, I, I just got a text from Target saying, don't come in, uh, you, you can't work. And I, I didn't know why or what was going on, but very quickly we realized that the, the Target um, where he works, uh, just under a mile from our house on Lake Street, was being looted. And by Tuesday evening, it was clear that our city had fallen into a, a, a riotous um, kind of crazy scene and for four days, uh, there was no police or fire presence at all in our city. The police had holed up in their precincts, and uh, it was very, very strange for, for four days. Um, Thursday, 
Pastor Lewis, uh, myself, another pastor, decided we need to do something. We have to have some presence of light. So we went over to that Target parking lot. Again, no police presence. It's the, the store is, is actively being looted, as is the rest of the strip mall, the grocery store across the street. Buildings are smoldering uh, that have been burned down across the street. And we set up a prayer tent. We asked police officers in the precinct, can we set up a prayer tent? They said, sure, it's a war zone and we can't protect you. So we set up a prayer tent there Thursday and just began praying with people, handing out water. Uh, all the while, the, the target is actively being looted. And uh, so th these have been very, very strange days. Uh, by Saturday, families were feeling the need to evacuate because there was so much unrest happening across the city. Um, and yet uh, by Saturday, the community was really coming together and recognizing <laughs> that so many minority businesses, uh, black owned businesses were being affected by this. And so the community really started to come together and try to protect those. And, uh, but it has been a week for sure. Well, I know that both of you have, uh, in addition to TOEF, who some of our members know, uh, in addition to the other pastors in your church, uh, have been trying to care for the sheep of Jubilee Community Church. So just briefly, how, Lewis, how is Jubilee Community Church doing? I know that John just mentioned that some of them have fled, but how are they doing? How's the church doing in the midst of this? Yeah, I think, I think the church is uh, deeply affected, obviously, by what's going on, and that effect can be seen from instantaneous requests from trying to, to, to figure out what can, what can we do um, opportunities to express sorrow and express grief, shock, and things of that nature. Um, we, we mentioned earlier that you, you combine this with the COVID-19 situation, and it creates a, a deep weariness. I was telling my wife the other day, 2020 has not been that year. <laughs> like we, we're going to look back on 2020 and say, man, that was, that was a rough one. So you know, combined with the weariness that you spoke of earlier, I think there is that combination there. And yet at the same time, which is just, I give God thanks for this at the same time as a deep desire to love one another, love the neighborhood, um, to see justice to be served and to, to really, to really find a way to, to, uh, be a light in the midst of what feels like a, a deep level of hopelessness. So sorrowful, right. And yet at the same time, hopeful, which you can only give thanks to God for that. That type of work is only the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's heart. Amen. Amen. And, and, and if I could ask maybe a little more specifically to each of you, if you could answer this question, how are both of you as pastors that are trying to be salt and light and love your wives and your kids and those kinds of things and go through this yourself? How are the, each of you, how are you processing these things individually? How are you doing? Lewis, you go first. Okay. Um, I was talking to a young man at the church here a couple of days ago and expressing that same sentiment that uh, there is a, there's a sorrow that's mingled with an anger and that's mingled with a, how long are we going to have to deal with this? Uh, part of my story includes not having an instance that I can recall of explicit uh, racial racism directed towards my way. I grew up in New Jersey that had a combination of all different type of ethnicities. My best friends were white, Haitian. I mean, we were, we were all over the all over the all over the map with my friends, and didn't really have a didn't have an occurrence. I don't. I'm not even sure how that's possible, but never had an occurrence of any type of explicit uh, racial animosity thrown in my direction. And uh, 
now sitting at 43 and, and having occurrence upon occurrence upon occurrence happening, I can understand even more the, the anger, the frustration, the, the hopelessness that rises up in, in my fellow African-American brothers and sisters who have, to, who have dealt with that at, at, at some high levels that's caused racial trauma. So at one level, at one end, it is this anger. There is, a, once again, a how long, how long are we going to have to deal with this in my soul? And yet, thanks be to God, there also is not a, a, a lack of hope. Um, telling that young man that we can't find uh, the perfect hope of justice in this world, our only hope is the one who's going to bring justice one day. And that, that's what keeps us going at the same time. So That's good. That's good. Thank you, brother. John, how about you? Yeah, we've had a lot of long conversations. I've been trying to post on Facebook and, and Twitter just updates and, and thoughts, reflections. but lots of long conversations and lots of uh, white brothers and sisters that I talk to express how tired they are, how emotionally drained they are. And uh, just reflecting on uh, the recent hashtag black and tired and the reality that I think so many African-American friends would say, welcome to our world. You know, this is, you enter in for a little bit and then you can put it off and, and uh, leave it. But, but this is, is, is where we live. And so, uh, I think it's really important for the church to understand that reality, to understand that things didn't break a week ago. Things have been broken for the entire history of our country and um, really to sympathize with one another at a deeper level, I think is what God is doing. So I, I am in a strange way, very, very encouraged by this last week because it is making more explicit what has been under the surface for my entire 38 years of living in Minneapolis. Things have been broken for a long time. Disparities have existed for a long time. Injustice has existed for a long time. The police have treated different people differently based on their ethnicity for a long time, for my entire lifetime. And so for these things to be brought to the light, it's never fun, um, but it is good. And, and I think that quickly obviously spread nationally and even internationally. And I think to talk about justice, to talk about righteousness, um, that's God's heart. And so ultimately it's good. And yet it is undoubtedly very, very hard in this moment for each of us and each of us experiencing so many different emotions in so many different ways. And uh, so we are daily praying for uh, just a humility to listen, a humility to be prayerful and a humility to seek to love one another. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I find myself praying more the last week or two uh, really in the last three months with the pandemic i find myself praying more i find myself weeping more uh, i find myself asking how long i find myself honestly sounding a lot more like the psalms than i did six months ago you guys similar yeah i, I so this past sunday with our service we included a, a prayer of lament in the service because the, these times just call for it and it, it seems it seemed I could speak for my own self. I don't use the prayer of lament enough. So yep. therefore it 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 kind of it, it's kind of awkward. It's like riding a bicycle for the first time, right? Yeah. Um yeah. and if I'm correct, you have a good portion of the Psalms are prayers of lament, Psalms of lament and things of that nature. So to be, I think to be acclimated with this language, with this means of grace that the Lord has given us to express our grief and hope is completely appropriate. And yeah. and maybe 
one of those um one of these these uh the, these sovereign purposes of God to walk us through this season mm-hmm. is to season the church up with with the with this means of grace called prayer lament. That's that's just needful. Yeah. Amen. I I've been telling people I feel like as it relates to prayers of lament, I feel like it's this new language like Spanish that I'm learning how to talk. I don't I'm start I can get some words, but I'm yeah. still I'm learning how to speak that way. And yet, that is so much the plight of God's people for the last two thousand years. And mm-hmm. One of those yeah, sovereign graces in the midst of this darkness is the Lord's teaching us how to be grafted on to the narrative of God's people for so long. Mm-hmm. Which we yeah, have over so over 40 years. psalms are psalms of lament. Yeah. So that's almost a third of our psalm book. And yet for the American church, that's not been, yeah. it's been a neglected language, as you say. That's a, that's a helpful analogy. Yeah. And uh, I think of these past weeks, uh, reading my friend Jarvis Williams, Dr. Jarvis Williams' prayer of lament for Ahmad Arbery. And then I asked him if I could um, adapt it for our own situation here a, a week ago. And he just sent me one last night for his city, Louisville, as they're experiencing trauma. And it's, you, you do say, how long, how long, oh Lord? And yet you realize that if you go back to the, the Negro spirituals, these are songs of lament. And it's not that things have suddenly become hard. It's that suddenly for many of us, we are becoming acquainted, as you said, with the experience of Christians uh, down through the ages. Our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are experiencing prayers of lament. Our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, our brothers and sisters in uh, North Korea, you know, (laughs) their life is a a life of lament. And so we have been the ones living in the uh, unique situation. But uh, now a moment to use this language. Yeah, amen. And that includes, just so our listeners are clear, you know, we, we lament not only Christians, most importantly, but also we lament the realities of all people that have to suffer yeah. in these ways unjustly. So, yeah. So, brothers, how do you, so, Lewis, would you speak for a moment, as you think about Jubilee Community Church, so mm-hmm. George Floyd happened literally in your backyard, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the eyes of the world really there. John, you mentioned the funeral is coming up just a few blocks down the street from you. Um, is that tomorrow? When is that again? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, so Lewis, as you think about Jubilee Communities Church, help us. This will be a good way as we begin to kind of turn towards ways we can pray for you. We'll get to counsel for us in a second. But well, how do you see Jubilee Communities Church's mission being lived out in the kind of, in many ways, uh, so much of this is just starting, right, for, for you guys to kind of get in and uh, it's, uh, John said it's been going on, but now that it's been more palatably rele- revealed, how do you see Jubilee's mission uh, interacting with what's going on in the midst of all of this? Yeah, that's a great question. John mentioned also the, the posture of listening. I think that the church now has a, a great opportunity to do a couple of things that we the church may have been accused of late of not doing well, which is the, the listening aspect of the, the plight of various people who are who are um, victimized and people who are in deep brokenness and things of the nature. So to, to be able to know that the gospel gives us the the gospel gives us the ability to listen well, even when that, that listening includes being yelled at or being shouted at or, or or however it's coming out, to be able to say our security is found so deeply in Christ that we really could for a long periods of time sit and listen and reflect and try to and try to uh, 
get into the shoes and, and feel the the difficulties that other other people are 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 walking through at this particular moment. So I think you couple listening, then also alongside of this opportunity to now get out in the in the neighborhood and live out the faith in the sense of serving the community well. What a great opportunity we have here. Not a wanted opportunity, but a great one to be able to love in some specific ways, whether it's cleaning up or supplying food or or counseling or whatever the case may be, that that's there. But then I think also too, this sets the stage up for good opportunities to share the hope that we have. I think one of the things that struck me uh, last third, last week when we were down at the Target that grieved me deeply is just the deep sense of hopelessness that, that people have when we were asking if they wanted to pray uh, they looked at us like we were we were bumped we were the strangest things on the planet as if prayer doesn't work so to speak mm -hmm. so for the church to be able to come into a scenario that's that's laced with hopelessness mm -hmm. and to really be a light of hope because we have a we know we have a day that's coming that's gonna and a person that's coming on that day that's going to rectify the situation perfectly I mean, this is a good chance to tell people about the hope that we have in christ yeah. so combination of listening combination of doing some good in our neighborhood and then a combination in both of those looking for opportunity to share gospel hope in the midst of hopelessness. I think we have a, we have a shining opportunity on that. Yeah, so, and it's so helpful, right? That like if discipleship and evangelism is not separated from loving neighbor and Absolutely. serving neighbor and listening. They all mm -hmm. just goes together. All go together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. John, anything else to add there in terms of the mission of Jubilee going forward in the midst of this recovery? Yeah. The work of making disciples is always the right work. And Part of making disciples is is being a Bible people. Part of being a Bible people is caring about the the prosperity of the city in which you're in. So, I was thinking about the dynamic earlier this week that Hebrews says, you know, we're not clinging to this city as though we have one. We're looking to the heavenly city, and yet that Jeremiah 29 language of those in exile seek the good of your city, the prosperity of your city, the welfare of your city. Isaiah 58 language, work against injustice. So the, these are not uh, one or the other, but we work for justice. We advocate for justice. We advocate for the, the, the treatment of image bearers to be fair and right. Uh, and we work to make disciples who understand these biblical realities. It, it's, it's really both and. And so it gets very, very personal. And then it's very, very systematic as well and systemic to think on on both fronts and i think god calls us and equips us to work on both and uh, it's not a choice to be one or the other it's really a both to be a bible people and to be a, a people who really love one another amen and i make me think too of we had an older elder which we don't have as you both know we have a lot of younger folks in the life of our church and uh the one of the older saints that we had years ago I remember he would always emphasize the importance of seeing the long view uh, and just understanding like, you know, the recovery of your community is not going to be in the next week. It's going to be in the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 after we're dead and gone, still going if Jesus doesn't come back and trying to keep that long view in view is helpful instead of trying to get it all right in the next two weeks, you know, is impossible. Yeah. Well, brothers, as you kind of transition, if we could just kind of transition last question for you. Uh, love to hear from both of you on this question. Um, as we kind of move from seeing how you're doing and how we, you can pray for us, would you guys that have been operating in the middle of this uh, for the last week, uh, would you guys offer some counsel to our, the members of our church that are going to be watching this video? Just provide a little bit of counsel on how to process through these things as Jesus treasuring people. 
how do Jesus treasuring people, Christ treasuring together, how do we do that uh, and process these broken things? I know that I've spoken to, I know you have wept with people over the past week that are having a hard time. What counsel might you give them in the way of uh, our church, all of our church, in the way of kind of helping process this, thinking of it as Jesus treasuring people and healing in the midst of it? Uh, so uh, I'm going to let John, why don't you jump in first and then uh, Lewis, I'll let you come behind him and then we'll pray. I think it's really important in these days to remind one another of our identity and, and, and be really rooted in our identity that if we are in Christ, we are chosen by God, we are loved by God, we are accepted, our future is secure. We don't have to prove anything or earn anything. Um, when, when people say hard things to us, um, we're just secure in who we are. And if we are reminding one another of our identity, of our future, that really frees us to love, to care, to uh, pursue the other, to listen, and w which are the things that are, are so essential. And it also uh, is what roots us and grounds us to persevere over a long period of time, because it is the long game. Uh, I was talking with a brother today who is one of our elders who uh, right on Chicago Avenue, in between where the funeral will be tomorrow and where uh, it all started on 38th in Chicago, um, started a, a Christian school 20 years ago. And God has been at work through that work, but that started through prayer meetings going back 30 years in our neighborhood. And so I think of Northwest DC, and I just think it's people praying, it's people loving, it's people uh, doing the work of making disciples and building, and God does that work over the course of years. And uh, so, but but being grounded and confirmed and confident in our our identity when uh, all around is is shaking and shifting, and and so many people's uh, things that they have put their trust in are really really being shaken. I think God's doing that shaking, and yet we are standing on a rock. Amen. Amen. It's good. And, and Lewis, you've already helped us think a little bit about that importance of listening, the importance of serving. Uh, John's reminded us of the importance of rehearsing our identity, keeping the long view in, in view as we do so. Uh, any words of counsel, brother, for us as we process these events ourselves? Yeah, I think don't, don't also forget the importance of just deep relationship and, and relationship with the others, right? So if, if you, uh, as, as the Lord gives opportunities, as you pursue, as we all pursue opportunities with those who are different than us, if you find yourself in a relationship that's somebody that's a that's a minority or somebody that's other you know um go hard at uh befriending each other I, I so so often i think you know we we miss out on the power of just friendship and how we're we're called to be in relationship with people who are different from us right so let's say if the lord leads uh brother and sister uh to a, in a relationship to an ethnic minority, uh, part of what mean part of what means to love them includes the listening and includes telling your story and things like that. But uh, also recognizing that you're not engaging in this kind you're not engaging in this relationship to appease uh, your conscience. Right, uh, the gospel is the only thing that appeases your conscience, and you're right. you're not jumping into this relationship with this ethnic other because you've already been filled up with Christ. Now you want to love that, that individual well, and, and you don't expect things from that person uh, that, that would cover the gamut of either that individual being um, 
the the spokesperson for all of the ethnicity, right? So okay. nobody should expect, like for instance, coming to me as an African American to be able to speak on behalf of all African Americans. That's not that's not gonna that's not gonna happen here, um, or, or represent well. But just wanting to dig into relationship and getting to know one another and and listening and asking questions, but not overwhelming with questions and do do what we do when we were kids, man. I, once again, I just think about one back in Jersey, man. It was nothing for my two white friends my Haitian friend, my African-American friend, just to get together and have a good time with another and just, mm-hmm. and just listen and enjoy each other and mm-hmm. talk. And the camaraderie that was built there and the understanding and the sympathy that was built there by just simple friendship um, is powerful. It's, it's powerful and it can go a long way, one relationship at a time. Another idea that came to my mind, we were talking about, I was talking about the level of hopelessness. You know, a really good, uh, as a Lord leisure, a really good study through African-American church history will blow your mind because if, if, if you want to see a people who have walked through all put in front of them to, to, to destroy that particular part of the church and come out on the other end to, to a, a powerful expression of African-American church today, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a story of hope. I think the African-American church really can speak well into our situation now because of the years that uh, um, it's been in existence it is beat back hopelessness and it's a beacon of hope even to this day. So I would encourage even in relationships, hey, dig into some African-American history mm-hmm. from a church standpoint, because you'll see, you'll see how, a peep, how the Lord preserved the people all up mm-hmm. to this very day. And one way I think you can do that, uh, uh, Lewis, the last time you and I were together physically, mm-hmm. we were at a primarily African-American conference yep. singing, as John was referencing earlier, those old Negro spiritual hymns that are so full of two things that what we've talked about so much lament and hope and hope, you know? Yeah. And they, they have that work. We are, I know I am learning that language, like I said, but man, that language, that's a good way to learn that spiritual church history from that community Mm -hmm. by looking at the songs they sang and finding lament and hope. hope. Yeah. Cause it's not a biblical lament if there is no hope attached to it. Right. So if you're just simply lamenting, we're not following the, the example of the scripture where the scriptures, the lament always comes out on the other end as a confidence established in the Lord that, that opens us up to grieve, but then also reminds us that we have, we have good reasons to trust in the fact that the Lord is, is up to good and he's working all things for his glory, for our good at the same time. I think Mark Vrogrup, I think in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, which is so good, I think he says we go from pain to promise. There we go. Right? That kind of pain, we lament, promise the hope. Yep. Yeah. Well, brothers, thank you so much. Yeah, go, go, go. Just, let me just add uh, one thing to what Lewis said, that I think is implied in what he said, but that for all of us who are white, I think it's so important not to lean on our minority brothers and sisters to be our teachers, mm-hmm. but to say, we need to do the work. We need to go and read. We need to listen. We need to learn. Absolutely be in relationship. And, and we can we can listen and learn relationally, but not depending on them, as Lou said, I just want to underline that point to teach us history or teach us things that there are so many good resources available. And so that's, that's really important. But in the relational component, we bear with one another, we do life together, even in our weaknesses. So Lewis has had to bear with a weaker brother over here in relationship and carry me on his back in so many different ways. And I've had to bear with his strange fixation with Patrick Ewing. So we each bear with one another's weaknesses and do life together. And so the relationship listening is so important, but yeah, we got to yeah. take it on ourselves to, to be yeah. learners, active learners. 
It's a good word. I've, I've experienced that myself in counseling. I'm mindful of people that I can think of one person I counseled many years ago that was kind of disappointed with somebody else in the life of our church because uh, they, were, they didn't kind of deal with all of their problems the way that they thought they should. And I just asked them a simple question, or are you sharing that with anybody else? And this person said, no, I'm not. I said, well, you can't take all of your issues and expect that one person to bear all of your issues. We got to be able to you got to take some responsibility, John, as you said, and Lewis, as you said, we got to kind of spread that out. And, yep. and, and that's, that's the church helping each other. Yeah, that's what the body does. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what the body good. does. Well, brothers, thank you so much for this time. Can I just pray for you guys briefly um, as you walk out these days? We walk these out our days together. Thank you. Uh, well, let me pray for you, then we'll say bye. Lord Jesus, thank you for my brothers, John. Thank you for my brother, Lewis. Uh, God, thank you for their wives and their families. God, thank you for Toph and the other pastors there. Thank you for Jubilee Community Church and the, the saints that make up that church. God, thank you for the ways that they are salt and light uh, in the, in the, as a church that's in the middle of all of this. God, I pray that they would listen well, that they would serve well, and they would make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ uh, along the way as they do these things. Give them hope. Give them lament. May they learn those languages all the better. And God, may, they, may we see in the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years, may we look back on this time and see all the many good things that you do. Namely, that you always, God, bring up beauty for ashes. We love you, and I pray your grace to attend this church and these pastors. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brothers, I love you. I thank God for you. Thanks for giving us some time and uh, thankful for our partnership in the gospel. Likewise. Likewise. You too. Love to everyone at Restoration. Yes. Looking forward to seeing you all again. Amen.